Welcome to The Blueprint. I'm your host, Chika Chukudabello. So happy to have you guys tuning in for our latest episode. Our little Blueprint community keeps growing, and I love everything about that. The nerd in me has been tracking the Google Analytics, and we have listeners in so many different parts of the world now. Now, while the show is based out of Los Angeles, we have listeners in Budapest, Beijing, Rio de Janeiro, and Samara. We love that you guys are listening and encourage you to keep sharing the show with your friends. We're actually making it easier for you to find us because we're now live on iTunes. Please log in, subscribe to The Blueprint Show, and if you like what you hear, give us your best rating and review. And of course, keep spreading the word. Those of you who keep track of Fortune Magazine's list of 100 best companies to work for will definitely appreciate today's episode. Known for its self-driving cars, free meals at the many gourmet restaurants on its campus, unlimited sick leave, and luxurious spa treatments, the company Google has topped that list every year since 2012. Today's guest, Ellen Huerta, made a splash when an article she wrote called Why I Left Google went viral two years ago. We were intrigued and wanted to get to know the kind of person who would intentionally say no to all the amazing perks that Google has to offer and welcome her as our guest on this episode. Ellen grew up in a suburb of Houston, Texas called Spring. Like many people from small areas, Ellen couldn't wait to get out. Driven by her desire to live somewhere that had a little bit more diversity, she became the first grandchild in her family to leave Texas for college and went to school at Wellesley College in Boston, Massachusetts. As someone who always loved to write, she planned on majoring in English. That is, until she started taking those classes. And then I sat in English classes Mm -hmm. and I realized that the majority of the grade in in a lot of the classes a big portion of the grade was whether or not you spoke up and how often you spoke up and I'm an introvert Mm -hmm. so for me that was not comfortable Mm -hmm. like I would rather read something and then think about it have some time to think about it right right um so I remember that moment in college being a little bit heartbroken like oh I guess I'm not going to be an English major and I always thought I was going to study mm-hmm. English did you or like some type of literature mm-hmm. so I did mm-hmm. I went the opposite direction okay and I found myself in the science center oh. and I started taking a bunch of science classes and I took an oceanography class whoa <laughs> and completely fell in love oh really with learning about how the Earthworks. Yeah. Okay. And there was one professor who I just loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so I switched my major. And I remember thinking, like, whoa, this is a really big moment because this means that I can never really be a writer. <laughs> or, I mean, that's like college mentality, yeah, right? It is. Um, I was like, I guess this means I'm a scientist. <laughs> right. Over the course of her four years in college, she did a ton of different kinds of internships, including ones in film, nonprofit, and politics. But science ends up being the area that sticks. Wanting to expand her horizons even further, she locks in a fellowship in her senior year to spend a couple years in Hong Kong and is all set to go when her friend presents her with a new opportunity. My good friend in college who, you know, was one of those friends that attends like every information session. (laughs) Um, She came back one day and she said, hey, there's this company, Google, and they're opening an office in Boston and I went to their information session Mm -hmm. and um, it was a mosaic information session so it was for um, 
you know, they were looking for diverse candidates from colleges in the Boston area. Okay. And she said, I met a bunch of people who I think you would really like. Okay. You should talk to them. She said, I think that you would really like these people. And you should just, you should just check it out. I know that you're already leaving, mm -hmm. but just check it out. Okay. So I... Um, and you were supposed to be leaving for Hong Kong. And I was, yeah, this was April. I was leaving for Hong Kong that summer. Mm -hmm. um, and I reached out to them and heard a little bit about the job. Mm -hmm. And the job, the job, so the job description was really vague. I <laughs> wish that I could, people ask me, what was the job you were actually hired into? And I actually don't remember. I think it was called an associate. Okay. It was non-technical, so it was non-engineering. Okay. And I loved that. <laughs> okay. I thought, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. I don't really know exactly what I want to be doing either. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunity to like hit the ground running and do a lot of different things. Okay. Now remember, this is 2008. So Ellen is getting there before Google had the amazing reputation that it currently has for being a great place to work. But it was still fun. I had almost no expectations okay. going into it. I think it, when you start at Google now, there are a lot of expectations. Mm, I mean, true. there's been a movie made about it, yeah. and you know, you hear all of these like things about food yeah. and bikes <laughs> and That's volleyball. True. It's a wonderland right now, right? If you're, if you're thinking about but it. But in 2008, there wasn't as much of that. Okay. In her new role, Ellen got a chance to work with a lot of talented young people pitching Google products to multi-million-dollar companies. But, surprisingly, she started to feel an internal conflict. I always enjoyed it and felt like I was learning, but I also had this itch that I wanted to be on the other side of the table, mm. growing a business mm. and talking to Google about how to grow their business mm. versus being on my side. Now, this itch didn't make her leave right away. She stayed for a couple of reasons. One main reason was I felt like there was so much for me to learn still okay and then the other main reason besides growth was financially i just felt like i am a year out of college mm -hmm. and i have almost no savings mm -hmm. and i need to establish myself more mm -hmm. and save money mm -hmm. so that you know if the opportunity arises where i can take some time off from a paycheck mm -hmm. i can actually support myself okay so it was kind of twofold in Ellen's Medium article, she shares, and I quote, When I sat down and really thought about why I was resisting, I realized something about myself that I didn't like, something that I'm ashamed to even admit now. The main reason I was resisting was because I would be giving up the safety and prestige associated with life as a Googler, end quote. So Ellen's status at Google continued to rise along with the profile of her client's portfolio. It took a very important presentation to put a magnifying glass on what she was experiencing and what changes she'd need to make. So towards the end of 2012, mm -hmm. I remember sitting in a meeting. It was a big planning meeting. Mm -hmm. And like our director was in town for it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was sitting on a team that managed um, a really substantial portfolio. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of scrutiny. So we'd been preparing this presentation for a really long time okay. to talk about our strategy and um, 
you know, what our clients' goals were mm-hmm. and what their challenges were and how we were going to help them grow. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in that meeting and feeling like sort of neutral. Mm. And I didn't like that feeling that I was just completely neutral about what was going on. Because these were like high stakes. Mm -hmm. These were clients that I cared about. Mm -hmm. Um, These were teammates that I cared about. Mm -hmm. But I just, my heart wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, I realized, okay, not only is it a good idea for me to step away, but it's also a good idea for someone else to come in and do this job who's super excited to mm-hmm. do it. Because there are a lot of people who would be very excited to do it. Yeah. Um, and I, there were a lot of other things that had sort of been bubbling up that I was interested in mm-hmm. besides what? what I was doing. Like what? Um, the idea of MEND mm-hmm. was in the back of my mind. Okay. For those of you who aren't familiar, MEND is Ellen's newest business venture. It's an online community that offers advice for people going through a breakup. I'd gone through a breakup and um, couldn't find the help that I needed online. Mm -hmm. And so I figured maybe I can build it Mm -hmm. if it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Ellen took some time off from Google to pursue her interests. But I also had a lot of other things that I was interested in. (laughs) I mean, just to give you a sense, that month that I took off at Google, mm-hmm. right before I left, mm-hmm. I was an apprentice at a bakery in San Francisco. Oh, wow. I mean, my mind was in a lot of different places. Okay. So I was working at this panaderia in the mission, mm-hmm. um, learning how to make pan dulce. Mm-hmm. So I was, yes, I was thinking about mend mm-hmm. in a seedling stage, but I was also just thinking you know, about all the different things I was interested in Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out which direction I should go. It was during that time that the idea for MEND continued to grow. I was online at 4 a.m. searching (laughs) Uh how to get over someone Mm -hmm. and a bunch of other really embarrassing queries. (laughs) Uh And I didn't find anything that was helpful. It was all ask.com articles Mm -hmm. or WikiHow articles. Mm -hmm. But I remember seeing at the bottom of them there would be hundreds of comments of people mm-hmm. sharing their story mm-hmm. or asking questions and answering and talking back and forth. And I thought, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. This is also the only thing that's helped me so far is actually talking to people, mm-hmm. real people who are going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I sort of locked that away in my brain okay. for months, okay. I mean, probably over a year, okay. and didn't come back to it until I was close to leaving Google. Okay. So after her month off was complete, she decided her time at Google was done. Doing what I'm doing now is not sustainable. So yes, I'm making money and my life is very secure, but long term, this isn't going to bring me fulfillment and this isn't going to bring me happiness. So I'm going to take the risk that I'm going to try out these other things Mm -hmm. and I have faith that I will figure out how to make money and support myself. I very much have, and I think this comes from like my family and my family's heritage, but I very much have this like hustler mentality mm-hmm. that I can figure out a way to make something work. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my dad about it, and he said that he has always felt the same thing. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know what, my dad 
um, grew up with nothing mm-hmm. and like put himself through school and um, he said and he has a good job now and he's, he told me the other day he was like you know what I know that ev- if everything just fell apart I would still be able to figure out a way mm-hmm. to you know survive yeah. and I have that feeling too okay. so I just kind of took the risk like okay. I will figure it out okay. like if I'm going to become a baker mm-hmm. I will open a bakery and we'll like work until it until it works until it works <laughs> yeah it's everything is like figure outable to me so Ellen packed up in San Francisco and moves to the city of Venice in Southern California for a fresh start it was during this transition that she wrote the article on medium that ended up being shared on a viral scale my intention in writing it the day that I wrote it I had gone on a long run and mm-hmm. I'd come back to my kitchen table and pulled out my like Evernote diary Mm -hmm. and I just started writing about the past couple of months Mm -hmm. which had been difficult I think in some ways it was really like a breakup because you know I still had doubts and there was a lot of fear Mm -hmm. um, and I still wasn't sure what I was doing when I left Mm -hmm. so there were a lot of feelings that I was trying to work through still at Mm -hmm. that point so Mm -hmm. that was like four or five months after mm-hmm. and I work out a lot of things on runs okay. so I um, came back and I just started writing and that came out so it wasn't actually a post that I wrote for anyone it was oh, just wow. an this entry an, in my diary entry it was during this season that Ellen served as a bridesmaid in a wedding and got some of the best advice she's ever received so I was paired up with a groomsman who I didn't know mm-hmm. and we met each other a few minutes before we were supposed to walk down the aisle and I tell him that I had just left Google he asked me like what I was doing Mm -hmm. what I was up to and I kind of told him my story Mm -hmm. he was much older than me and married maybe he has kids I'm not sure but um he thought he was really interested in my story Mm -hmm. you know we're getting ready to like walk down the aisle Uh um but we're like deep in conversation and I was like well do you have any advice for me mm-hmm. and he said um, let it find you don't go to the first thing just because it's the first thing mm-hmm. wait for the right thing to happen and it will happen um, because at that point I was like starting to take on some consulting work at another startup just because I was like nervous about not having an income mm-hmm. and you know, I think when you take a big leap of faith, you start grasping for things. Mm -hmm. And that advice was so helpful to me because it reminded me, you know, that I took a leap for a reason Mm -hmm. and that not that I needed to relax, Mm -hmm. but I did need to trust that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, things would move in the right direction. In the process of her exploration, Ellen was free to pursue her fascination with the science around a broken heart. I felt like I couldn't really get away from my ex. Mm -hmm. And I think that is sort of the norm for breakups now. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of social media? Because of social media. Mm -hmm. The internet has really changed breakups. Mm -hmm. So when I talked to my mom about the breakup that she went through when she was 28, Mm she didn't see him for a year Mm. they lived across the street from each other Mm. like she had no idea what was going on as long as she proactively made sure she wasn't leaving her house at the same time she wasn't going to see him Mm -hmm. 
I had the opposite. That's true. You know, experience. Instagram. It was like I saw everything on Instagram, Facebook. My email would auto populate his name anytime I typed in, you know, the first letter of his yeah. name. Um, I just felt like it was, I really was having trouble moving on. Mm-hmm. And it was the first breakup where I felt like that was the case. Mm. I guess in my previous breakups, social media and the internet just wasn't as evolved as it is now. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as big of a piece of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, So I felt like that definitely made it harder. Okay. And I became really interested in why I was having a hard time moving on and then how I could more proactively help myself move forward. So this is like the scientist in me. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to read every single research article on the science of heartbreak Mm -hmm. that I can. Mm -hmm. So I spent like six months to a year doing that, Mm -hmm. understanding the neuroscience behind it Mm -hmm. and the psychology behind Mm -hmm. it. And um, I basically took a course in like the science of heartbreak. She started small and built a community around the idea of recovering from heartbreak. I thought the easiest thing for me to do right now would be to create an email newsletter. Mm-hmm. So I put together a newsletter and I ran some Google AdWords ads mm-hmm. and got maybe a hundred people signed up for the newsletter mm-hmm. and started sending out content once a week and some of it was uh you know personal breakup stories Mm -hmm. and then some of it was this advice that was rooted in the research that I had done okay and then after a couple of months I surveyed everyone and Mm -hmm. got feedback on what they'd liked what they hadn't liked it was a risky move because who loves sharing their breakup experiences let alone building a business model around it you know there was part of me that felt it was really personal and I wasn't sure in some ways talking about breakups is still a little bit taboo Mm -hmm. and that's why I really love what I do Mm -hmm. because it's something that everyone goes through Mm -hmm. but it's still difficult to talk about Mm -hmm. and um, I definitely had that doubt before I launched like is this really like do I want to be sharing this information Mm -hmm. about my own experiences Mm -hmm. and you know, is this something that I want to do? All doubts aside, pretty soon Ellen was indeed running her own startup. I really believe that little steps matter. Mm-hmm. So I know it looks like I took this big leap, mm-hmm. but there were all of these little steps that I took, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know why I was doing them at the time. Mm-hmm. For instance, when I was at Google, they would offer coding classes, mm-hmm. and very few people in my department took them Mm. but I commuted down to Mountain View and took them I took a class on wireframing Mm -hmm. and I basically took all of the free courses that I could while I was there and I was also taking a bunch of startup-y related courses Mm -hmm. like through Skillshare in San Francisco Mm -hmm. Um, there were all these little things that connected Mm -hmm. several small steps and one big leap later Ellen's life looks completely different than it did in her Google days and she likes it that way I definitely feel like I'm doing what I should be doing. Okay. Like, I love what I do every day. Mm-hmm. I love being able to help people. Mm. And it's something that's really tangible, you know, like talking to people who use MEND. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it has an impact, mm-hmm. a positive impact. Mm-hmm. And 
that makes me really happy and I think you know over my lifetime my purpose will evolve but the fact that I feel fulfilled yeah and that I'm giving something um that's of value is good Ellen's leap of faith took her away from some of the kinds of status symbols that many people hang their hats on we live in a society where certain quote-unquote universal achievements are the kind of things that make everyone around us proud to be associated with us but what happens if those very achievements make you feel like a piece of you is dying inside? Do you just plow ahead disregarding those feelings because you think it's worth the sacrifice? Or do you change course because no amount of money in the world is worth your happiness? There isn't one right answer, but it's definitely worth thinking about and examining your choices in an intentional way. We wanna know if you've ever had to leave behind the trappings of security in order to take a bet on something that would make your heart happy. Tweet us at showmeblueprint and use hashtag theblueprint and hashtag big leaps in your tweets. In honor of Valentine's Day, Mend is launching a new service that's aimed to help heal broken hearts. It's called the Heartbreak Cleanse, and we have a link to sign up for it on our site, www.blueprintshow.com. That's it for this episode of The Blueprint. From The Blueprint Show producer, Sonatali Narciss, and myself, we want to encourage you to keep drafting your blueprint. Tune in in two weeks where we'll hear from another visionary like yourself.